This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Are you being a berry-picking Nazi? Why did it take us eight hours to make our first jam? And was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory the original Hunger Games? You're going to find all of this out on today's episode. But first, what if I told you that blueberries helped win the Civil War? In April of 1861, the fighting began in South Carolina, and it spread like wildfire across the American continent. From Tennessee as far west as New Mexico and all the way up, you go to Vermont, all the way down to the Florida coast. There were men, brother versus brother, uh, tearing the families apart, tearing states apart, tearing the whole country in two. Now, in this battle, men were using weapons that they had never encountered before, and they were horrible. Machine guns. Imagine yourself as a soldier. You're on the battlefield. And now you're dodging bullets that are being sprayed in every direction. And as you run, as you're trying to escape that, landmines are being used. So you have to worry about every step you take. Even railroad-mounted cannons. Cannons arriving on trains. All these weapons are things that you have to fear. That you have to worry about. That you have to look out for. And on top of that... Men are getting sick all around you. Scurvy. Before the war broke out, scurvy was the number one killer in the United States Army. It's caused from a lack of vitamin C. Why didn't they have enough vitamin C? Well, picture what was happening at the time. The country was growing and growing. Armies were being sent out further and further in every different direction. And you have to supply those armies with food and with nutrition. And the further they go, the harder it is to get them fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. 
1861. How are you going to keep fruit fresh? How are you going to keep vegetables fresh? And how are you going to send it across a continent with that lack of proper nutrition? Soldiers were getting sick. And scurvy is a nasty one. Picture gums decaying, teeth falling out, bleeding from the mouth, skin hemorrhages, and just a general weakness and anemia in the men. These are the men who are supposed to be fighting. And they are so weak, so unhealthy, that they're dying. But scurvy also could cause death in other ways. It prevented the body from healing on a whole. So now you have soldiers, seasoned veterans, soldiers who've encountered battles, who you need to keep alive, who know how to fight, and they're wounded, and they could be cured. Medicine at the time had grown in leaps and bounds. Doctors were able to do amputations. They were able to help men return back to health better than they ever have. And yet, because these men were sick, they were dying. And the rates were rising from 0.2% all the way to 3% in some cases. And along with scurvy rates rising, the mortality rates were rising from 10% of the wounded to now 25%. That's one in every four soldiers you're losing because of this high rising rate of mortality, which is caused in part by scurvy. Step back for a minute from these numbers and these figures on a whole and consider the story of Sherman's March. Now, if you're familiar with Sherman's March, you know what happened. William Tecumseh Sherman, he takes his Union Army of the North and he drives them on a war path, scorched earth policy into the heart of Georgia, disrupting their towns and cities, scavenging from farms, taking everything they could to feed their army as they went, leaving nothing in their wake. And as they're doing this, fruits and vegetables are not getting to the troops. They're moving too fast to be supplied proper nutrition. Scurvy rises and the rate in mortality rises. Well, after they reach Atlanta and Atlanta falls, suddenly now the rail lines open up and because of this outbreak of scurvy, the civilian groups in the north They joined in the battle. They rallied to get fresh fruits and vegetables to the troops. What were they sending? Down these rail lines from the north all the way down to Atlanta? Blueberries. The state of Maine, the number one source of wild blueberries. The townspeople were gathering blueberries, were canning them, and were sending them by the box load down the rails to help the troops. The Union Army of the North were getting these fruits and these vegetables. They were eating them. Their nutrition was being restored. Scurvy rates plummeted. Mortality rates dropped. And the Army felt health returned. Their fighting vigor. Now as this is happening with the Union Army in the North, the Confederate Army of the South was experiencing a similar deficiency. In fact, it got so bad that Lee writes... Health is failing. Scurvy and typhus fever are making their appearance, and it is necessary for them to have a more generous diet. He recognized the need, and yet because of the way the war was going, there was no opportunity for the army in the South to be fed that proper nutrition. As time went on, it got worse and worse. In fact, one account notes that the men do not feel sick 
and yet their energy, their powers of endurance, and their willingness to undergo hardship are in a great degree done, and they know not why. The Army of the South was known for its vigor. These men were known to be warriors, and yet they were losing the willingness to undergo hardship. They didn't know why, but it's quite possible because they were experiencing the beginnings of scurvy. So when you step back and you look at that story, you think blueberries, canned blueberries, may have had effect, may have helped win a war. Well, that's what I call a superfruit. Today on Homesteady, we're going to talk berries, we're going to talk canning, how you can take the power in that fruit, harvest it, and keep it all year round to help you win all the battles that you face every day. So everybody... You know what it's time for. Here we go. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient, and we can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteady. Hey everybody, welcome back to Homesteady. I hope you had a lot of fun with last month's episode. I hope you got out and did some fishing. Uh, we got out and we did a lot of fishing. We, uh, we went out to Lake George for a week with my in-laws and we caught a ton of bass and uh, we uploaded a video onto the website too so you can see what we were doing. We put some fishing reports up so you can read how we caught them, uh, what lures we used. So go check it out on uh, the website, thisishomesteady.com. All right, well, this month we're going to talk about berry picking. If you're familiar with the seasonality of your berries, you know that it's already too late to talk about strawberry picking as uh, something that you can do. But we're going to talk a little bit about our strawberry picking this year and the years previous. And then we're going to talk also about doing some blueberry picking and uh, raspberries and that sort of thing because now is the time to get out and pick those things. So... uh going to be a fun episode and we have a very special guest this episode. You might recognize her voice from the uh, the bluefish biting finger incident. <laughs> um, it's my wife and uh, she still has all 10 fingers and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the second episode about fishing. Ooh, that's nice. So this is my wife Kendra. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, you know, I had to pull a few strings <laughs> with the guy upstairs. God, I guess. <laughs> So I brought Kay on here to talk about making jam. Mm, nice to be on. <laughs> Mommy, where does jam come from? <laughs> this is going to be terrible. All right. Uh, so picking with kids. Let's start there. So we could say this is our second year picking with our kids. This year we have three children. And they love it every time we go. Doesn't mean that we love it every time we go. This year was good, though. Yeah, this was the best year we've had because our our little boy is getting older, so he really enjoyed it. He picked with me for the whole two hours. He was a machine. Yeah, so with his help, we picked 25 pounds of strawberries this year. You know, I guess you should say, like, all right, when you go picking, you should be, like, when you go with kids, you should be relaxed and calm yeah. and not like the picking Nazi who we saw last year. We saw this, like, uh... Big burly man was there, big beard, and uh, he had his daughter with him. 
And his daughter was probably, what, 12 or 13. So, like, you know, he's probably like, all right, got to spend some time with my daughter. <laughs> and he's, the whole time he's yelling at her, no, no, not over there. <laughs> no, those are no good. No, you got to pickle them like this. See, see this technique? Yeah, I don't think she enjoyed it very much. So, you know, if you go with kids, you got to just be relaxed and... You know, enjoy it. Accept the loss. Make sure they enjoy it. Make sure they get to eat some. Make sure you eat some so everybody's full of berries and just enjoying the experience. Should we talk about the first time I made jam? Yeah, you want to talk about the first time we made jam? All right. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been watching my mom make jam for years. She'd make a delicious strawberry freezer jam. Uh, but I've never made it without her. So, I think I was uh, assuming that because it's in my blood and I've seen it done, that I would just be a pro at this making jam and jelly. And Austin has never made it, so he wasn't much of a help. That's why I brought her on this episode, because I don't do this. (laughs) So the first time you made jam without your mom... I had uh, no idea what I was doing. And you did it with me, so that was even... Worse. Worse. (laughs) Yeah, so I went online and found a recipe, because I wanted to make a lower sugar jam. So I figured honey would be better. Yeah. One uh, one thing you should know about jam and recipes, well, canning and recipes, is uh, you know you're supposed to stick to the tried and true. Tried and true. Yeah. <laughs> they always say stick with recipes that are time tested. You can go to the Ball Blue Book. You can go to other family heirloom recipes, Reputable. things that have proven not to kill people. In the past. And that's just canning in general. And of the two of us, I'm the more nervous Nelly. He's never done it, so I think he's got more concerns over it. I've seen it be done. My mom, my grandma, everyone's made jam and jelly, my aunts. So for me, it's a just a classic way of cooking that's a good way of preserving your harvest for the year. So the first time I did it, I got a recipe from the internet. Which is a reputable source. Yeah, it's on the internet. seemed reputable. So we started with uh, all the pounds of berries we picked. Beautiful strawberries. Started chopping. Right, and I was was helping. He was good at that. I was helping in the beginning. I was cutting the heads off. (laughs) It was like a... It was like an episode (laughs) of... This probably won't end well. (laughs) It's an episode of... I don't know, what's an episode where they chop a bunch of heads off? Hold on, what's a show? Lots of beheadings. <laughs> Who was like famous for chopping off heads? Heads Henry. roll. Oh, alright, yeah, so I was like a guillotine man. I was just like chopping heads off left and right. I'm gonna edit that back in sooner so I seem quicker and uh-huh. wittier. Yeah, smart. <laughs> smart man. So we were chopping up all our berries, getting them ready to throw them in the pots, and I had found a recipe online, um, and it, it was a, a really nice recipe, good good details, but I've never done it before on my own, so I don't know at all what to do. So I'm following this recipe step by step, neglecting some of the, the little nuances that seasoned jelly makers already know, the steps the berries go through, and what point they should be boiling down, how long you're cooking them, and... What? Well, I'm just thinking, what would you call seasoned jelly maker? Like a Jedi Knight? <laughs> a jelly knight. <laughs> a seasoned jelly maker. Jelly master. Maybe it would be like a pickle. Preserve. <laughs> they're, I know what they are. They're sauerkraut. 
seasoned, right? Yeah, little like, canning joke for like you. Like a cast iron skillet. They were seasoned. Seasoned jam. <laughs> jam master. So I cooked my berries, put in my pectin, put in my sweetener. We used honey. And I, I was boiling and boiling and boiling those berries, and I thought, surely they are ready. And I canned them. I did, I did a, a water bath, put the jelly in the jars, put them back. And I was helping. Yeah, he was. I was chopping. Yeah, you, you can were, see the video. You were chopping. That was good. That was helpful. So we just chopped up all those berries, put them in two huge pots, and let them boil away on the stove. And I thought what, you know, was a good time limit. Everything looked good. And I stuck them into the jars and they were all popping closed. You know that wonderful sound that happens when you've done all your, your jars and you start hearing them pop, 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 and pop, pop, hearing them pop, 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 pop. Oh, it was my first time out by myself. I was so excited to hear them pop. So Boston, listen. Nice. Pop, listen to the pops. Oh, it was my first time all by myself. I was so excited to hear them. I said, Austin, listen. And that's when I said, well, how do you know which ones don't pop? I said, well, you know, you push on push on it, and if it pops, then you know it didn't pop. Of course, you know what I do next. If I see a button, i got to push it. He reached over my fresh, fresh out of the kitchen jars that were just beginning to pop, and he presses it. No, I guess this one didn't pop yet. <laughs> it's like, us. it's only been out for like 30 seconds. You have to give it more time. Now I'm not going to know if it seals right. Well, then you were like, well, just repop it. And I'm like, no, you can't put your fingers on the lid. That's why you boiled it's them. It's sanitized. So we were having some... Uh... So then I, I, I said the B word. Mm-hmm. The B word in canning. Especially when it's your wife canning. And you've never done it before, and you're just waltzing in there acting I, like you know. How well, I what I'd listened to a a podcast with Elton Brown, mm-hmm. and he uh, talked about botulism. So I was like, well, you know, if you don't do this right, you could give us all botulism. <laughs> Super supportive husband. Yeah, real nice. If only Elton Brown were here to warn her. So this is this is the help Austin's giving me in the kitchen. The more he talked about botulism and, <laughs> and how do you know if they've sealed well. Finally, I had to just walk away. I couldn't take him anymore. <laughs> or I got sent away. So I was standing there enjoying it all by myself, all these jars that beautifully had sealed. And I was watching my, my jars and I noticed that all the fruit was separating to the top and all the liquid had settled to the bottom. And I thought, maybe once it cools, it'll be okay. Maybe I did everything right. and We're okay. But just to be safe, we tried one. So we toasted some bread, so remember, some butter. We're talking 25 pints of jam that took four hours to can. And we have three kids. And we have three kids. <laughs> and they were... It was, <laughs> and a farm. It was done. And we were all done. We were all done. That we made the toast, and we're spreading it on the toast. I've already made my wife mad at me. Yeah, we're already fighting. So I'm, uh, I'm the test subject now of how is this jam taste. Yeah, so we toasted our bread, I've put it I've made her there. mad enough this day, so... Uh, I said, Austin, how does it taste? Oh, man, this is delicious. It's so good. Yeah, no, this is great, babe. So glad we spent eight hours doing this. <laughs> Our little boy liked it. 
My little girl wouldn't touch it, though, so that was my first clue something was off. So I tried a bite. And, you know, jelly, jam, they are sweet because that's what you want. When you put them on some salted butter, Mm. you want a little bit of sweetness. And it wasn't sweet, and it was liquid on the bread. It was terrible. Terrible. And we have, like, 26... Pints and quarts Pints and quarts of this all done and ready to go into the shelves. And I went from being so excited that we had a year's worth of strawberry jam ready to, to thinking... Every time I open up a jar of jam, I'm going to be just a little so disappointed every time. <laughs> like a little. Every time you open that thing and hear pop, oh, failure. Yeah. So I said, Austin, I'm doing it all over again. So I rolled up my sleeves and said, okay. And then I went outside. <laughs> <laughs> he stayed as far away as possible. <laughs> open it all up, poured it all back into the... The pots started all over again. Now, I hadn't done much research about it. I hadn't looked into what you need to do to make sure it sets. I had just thought if you follow the recipe and you put all the ingredients in, stick it on the stove, it's going to turn out great. I had done a lot of things wrong, which are beginner mistakes and can definitely be avoided. And Elton Brown could have warned you about this if he had been there. Where is Elton when I need him? (laughs) So a couple more hours later. But then you'd got this down pat. Yeah, boil, 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 boil. We tried it along the way. It was good. It was sweet enough. So I jarred it. They all popped. 100% poppage this time. And we tried it on bread. And it was good. Sounds like an advertisement for now music. (laughs) Now that's what I call music. 87, 100% poppage. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a batch of jam that I could be proud of. So what did you learn? What was the takeaways from this experience that you can share with first-time jammers? Do a little research. Don't dive into it without doing a little bit of research and finding out how it works. It's a lot like candy making. You do need a certain amount of sugar for it to set, or use a low-sugar pectin, which are available and easy to find. I found a jar of it at Big Wide the What's other day. pectin? Pectin. If you want to know what pectin is, you can read the blog post on the thisishomesteady.com website. What is pectin? Nice plug. Is it a GMO? You'll have to go and read. And I should have done smaller batches. So it cooked down. I should have used wider pots. Small batches. So the, the liquid evaporates out of it faster. Big pots. Wide pots. Wide pots. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that's totally easy to do that I had just neglected to learn. I had assumed I wouldn't have any problem doing it. I should have done a little bit more research. But it's, if I can do it, and Austin knows, I'm not a crafty person. <laughs> I, I don't like doing complicated things of the two of us I'm I'm the one who tries just to make it as simple as possible and it was very very easy and we've been doing it ever since yeah it was a long day of jamming 
We were like a fish concert. Jam all day. Yeah. Fish I do. Trey Anastasio. <laughs> nice. Sure. See, I got hippie jokes too. Not sure I understand that. So if you want to find out, um, if you want to see some of the equipment that we use, the uh, right size pint jars, the ball blue book for some time-tested recipes that are Elton Brown approved, um, you can check all that out on the This Is Home Study website, see the blog recap for this episode. And uh, something new that we're doing now, we have an affiliate program set up with Amazon. So if you want to do this and you got to buy the stuff anyway, if you buy it through the link on our website, you can help support the podcast. If you buy through that link, we get a little piece of the pie. Ooh, pie. We can make blueberry pie. Well, we're going to have to go pick some blueberries. All right, let's do it. All right, everybody. We're going to pick blueberries. We'll be back after these messages. Say peace out, everybody. When I go strawberry picking, I look for the biggest, brightest red strawberry that's calling my name, saying, I'm so delicious. You want your logo or your website, the artwork that represents you, whatever it is, you want it to scream the same thing. You want to get attention. And ultimately, you want to stand out. You need a unique visual identity. The artists and storytellers at Tribal Droid Studio can turn your visions into visuals. Make that awesome logo. Make that beautiful artwork for your page. Whatever your project is, signs, logos, design, they do it all. Check them out at tribaldroid.com or email them at tribaldroidstudio at gmail.com. Oh, wow. That was loud in my ear. <laughs> oh, sorry. What, you weren't expecting it? This is my buddy Mike. I call him up every week to get his thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, he's the accountant for our farm, and uh, I want his thumbs up or thumbs down as to whether this is a worthwhile experience. No, I don't have any earbuds. I accidentally vacuumed them up. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the downside of a Dyson. <laughs> Dude, it was bad. Like, I barely touched them, and they got completely destroyed. <laughs> like, half of a second, and, like, all the wires got ripped out, and the speakers <laughs> are gone, and it, it was bad. Have you ever gone berry picking? Uh, I've gone. I don't think I've ever gone for the purpose of, like, I'm going to do this instead of buying my own jam. It's more like, <laughs> I'm going to do this because it's fun, and there's a whole bunch of people going, and we can make, like berry pie and stuff like that <laughs> so <laughs> what you you have two motives what other motives could there be for going berry picking <laughs> that possibly you have gone and done <laughs> all right i don't know <laughs> but i, I did know, go whatever. one time because i was trailing a guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see i worked as a private investigator nice and, uh, <laughs> and that led you right into the tax field <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's how they're intricately related, you know. I would believe it. You get the get the man. Yeah, yeah sick, sure, totally. Sick the man. I on was, you. you know, I was being a private eye, and some guy offered me his, a job as an accountant, and I just took it. You were sick of the excitement. The <laughs> yep, the rest is history. <laughs> it's like you seem pretty good at figuring out hard stuff. Yeah. How about you want to take on the U.S. tax code? Let's nice. Try that. 
Amen. <laughs> okay, so um, I should tell you about like what you actually have to do when you go berry picking, because right, because a lot of uh, a lot of what's involved in whether or not this is a good decision um, is the the time and the effort you're putting in, and you know, compared to it's kind of a funny one because let's look at the three different options, right? Okay, so option number one, you could go to the store and just buy some berries or just buy some jam. Let's uh, right. let's end game it at jam because we talked all about making jam this show. So um, let's talk about you're picking berries for the sake of having jam. Um, okay. So you could go to, you know, you could go to the farmer's market and buy some seasonal fresh picked berries or you could go to a pick your own farm and just pick them pick them there uh, pay the people to pick out their farm and then go back to your place uh, or you could plant your own blueberry bushes and pick mm-hmm. them at your own house so there's really like three different options so you could just go buy jam oh touche I forgot that they make do they actually sell <laughs> that mean- in the stores that is also an option. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> um, okay, so when you go for a pick-your-own, here's the deal. Find a farm that does a pick-your-own. You pull into the farm. You hop out. You go up to like a trailer or the building or wherever they're at, and you say, we're here to pick. They tell you, okay, go to these rows. You'll see them marked with a ribbon. Um pick down this row, pick down this row, and then they give you a basket or they give you a carton. And the place that we go, they give us, um, they give you like a big carton and they tell you if you get over 10 pounds, you get a cheaper price. So they're nice. And you know, the idea behind that, what I think is behind that is when you go to a, you pick, um, you know, they have a limited season. Things are only good for so long. So they want everything picked and it's, they always know, and usually they're okay with it, that you're going to be munch facing it while you're picking. Um, right. So they want to... Only half of what you pick makes it into the box. Exactly. Whereas now that they give you this incentive, they say, hey, if you pick 10 pounds, we'll give you a cheaper price. You're like yelling at your kids like, hey, spit that one out. We need the weight. <laughs> right. So... Uh, 10 pounds of berries is a lot of berries. Oh, yeah, dude. We did... <laughs> oh, man. I'm just now thinking about that. Like, wait a minute, that's a ton. That's a ton of berries. <laughs> we did this oh, year in strawberry picking. We did 25 berries or 25. <laughs> 25 berries. <laughs> it was a short morning. <laughs> it was. We got almost a little bit of jam out of it. <laughs> I ate the rest. They weighed me on the way in and on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we picked, yeah, we picked 25 pounds this last time we went, which was, oh my God, PB, man. That's a lot of, that's just, that's too many berries. (laughs) It was strawberries. So we're, you know, we're talking strawberries. They got a little more weight than like blueberries, but right. But, um, yeah, it's still a lot of berries and we had the kids picking. So we had them running the rows and my son actually went and, uh, he picked, a lot of berries years previous he would go and be eaten out of the carton but this year he actually did really good so that was good oh he helped you out he's positive exactly definitely good so we go you go down the rows and you know everything is 
growing. You're just walking the rows and you're finding they mark the spots that are really productive. And you walk the rows and you pick the berries, throw them in the carton. Uh, And then you take it back to the place. They weigh it for you. And then they tell you, okay, it's weighed this much. This is what you pay. So that's essentially how Pick Your Own works. You load up whatever you got, you take it home, and then you make your jam. So that's the option, the pick your own option. All right. I I mean, like, aren't you this crazy farmer, though? Why aren't you just growing this stuff yourself? (laughs) Because I have goats. (laughs) (laughs) And they just eat all your berries. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, (laughs) the year before we bought the goats. That's a good reason. (laughs) Right? The year before we bought the goats, I bought four apple trees. At uh, like three year, three years old probably. So they're about as tall as me when I bought them. Uh, maybe older than three years old. Anyways, apple trees the size of my, myself, $100 a tree. And I, right. I bought four blueberry bushes, um, which were much cheaper. They were like 10 bucks a bush. They were pretty small. Um, brought them all back, planted them, got them in the ground. Now you got to wait like a couple years for fruit trees and fruit bushes to really start producing. So a couple years went by. I pruned them. Um, the blueberries, a year went by. I'm th- expecting this nice yield. Then I bought goats. And uh, goats get out all the time. And one of my goats is like a puppy who follows me back to the house. And uh, after she follows me back to the house, she likes to munch on my $100 apple trees and $10 blueberry bushes. So... <laughs> So it sounds to me like you need better goat security. That's your <laughs> that real would, problem here. That would solve a <laughs> lot of problems. Right your animal security is lax. <laughs> All right. So the real question is like, you know, why don't you go? Why don't you just plant your own blueberry bushes or strawberries or whatever berries? We're talking about berries in general. Um, Schnozberries. Yeah, isn't that from Willy Wonka? Yeah. <laughs> the blueberries taste like blueberries. The raspberries taste like raspberries. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. That's my best Gene Wilder. <laughs> that, well, you know, that was, uh, it was pretty bad. Sorry. <laughs> well, you do a better one. I don't know if I even could. He's just so, I don't know, he's just so condescending all the time. Well, like, that well, should be kids. perfect. <laughs> Do the uh, like, do the boat scene? You remember, ever oh, flowing. Oh God, yeah, that's the scariest. As the river keeps that's on going. That's just the going. scariest scene from your childhood. And you know like, the river's go going everywhere. The river's flowing. Where does it go? <laughs> He's a creepster, man. Yeah, it was. You watch that movie now as an adult, and you're like, wow, he was a he was a creepy man. Oh yeah, what a what like, a pick really for a kids. That is the original Hunger Games, right? Yeah. There. He just brings a bunch of kids into arena, eliminates <laughs> them, and there's a winner at the end, and they. And they get a chocolate factory. <laughs> Dude, you're so right. That's that's what it is. That's the Hunger Games. Augustus Gloop. Yeah, and then I love the idea of uh, like Augustus Gloop and Mike TV, just like <laughs> Mike TV whipping out a sidearm. Mike TV's got his little plastic guns, and Augustus Gloop is just like oh, eats, eats it. Eats him. <laughs> yeah. That's how he did in that movie. <laughs> that oh, was... and what's her face? The rich girl. She would die fast. The Baruch Assault. Oh, yeah. She was... She'd be dead quick. But she would but be. But I want it now. And she's dead. 
Oh, no, but then if the parents got to pay, remember how people could pay in the Hunger Games? She had the rich daddy, so he'd be sending her, like, sweet gadgets and, like, like, chocolate river vortex. Oompa Loompas are on your side now, Veruca. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, imagine that. The Oompa Loompas are, like, just a third-party... Random weird group of roving, people that are there and that are roving group of cannibals throwing chocolate at people or something. <laughs> uh, so so that so Willy Wonka's just there, like who's gonna win? You ready for this? Full circle. Violet Beauregard, blueberry, <laughs> back to berry picking. All right, so anyway, back to berry picking. All yes. right, so um. Why don't you just plant blueberries in your backyard? Uh, the answer for that is you could do that. Um, fruit trees or fruit bushes are pretty pricey right out the gate. Um, so if you want to plant a lot, it's going to cost you a bunch of you know a bunch of money up front. They're like six to ten bucks a bush if you get them at a you know starter size. Um, right. And they're going to take a couple of years to really establish themselves, and you're going to get good fruit from them. So I'm not like discouraging so, that. So if you've got, if you've got, if you don't mind laying the money out on the plants, and if you've got the time to just wait a couple of years, it's not a bad. Option. And if you don't but have goats, <laughs> if you're like, I don't know, you live in a city or something, and planting right. your own blueberry bushes is not an option. Then... Right. Or you got a farm with a bunch of animals, and you're just gonna like me. Right. I haven't or if seen you're a blueberry. Terrible at controlling your goats. Amen. They eat all of your crops. <laughs> And there you go. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, all right, so that puts us at the point everybody can go pick your own. So let's level the playing field here. We're going to pick your own. Right. Um, You've decided to for whatever reason. You're yeah, gonna you're going to go pick your own, and you're going to take the family and take your Saturday and go down to the pick your own. A couple quick tips. Go if you follow like the farm you go to, we follow them on Facebook. So you want to you want to find out as soon as the stuff's ready. If you go at the beginning of the picking season, you'll get the best choice. You'll get the best product. If you wait till the towards the end, you're going to get the small berries and the small the leftover stuff. Um, Have you ever gone at the end? Oh yeah. Well, first couple of years That's we so did depressing. this. You know what happened? The first couple of years we you're went. Like, I just paid ten bucks. For oh this bag, man! And the berries and were like nothing but the saddest. no it was sad yeah every year they would tell us like oh you just missed the heavy pickers came through so like the last year or two we've been like we will be the heavy pickers yeah opening day we're knocking down the gates we are gonna be the heavy pickers give us your strawberry goodness so um so yeah go early um call ahead make sure they're open go early show up and here's the thing if you want to do this the most productive way Walk down a row one way, pick whatever you see that direction, turn around and come back up that row. Because it's amazing when you turn around and come back up the row, you're going to see that many more berries. You pick a ton of berries, you go up, you pay for your berries, you bring them home. Now, peak nutrition for fruit is the minute you've plucked it, it starts losing its peak nutrition. So, so you I, should eat them immediately. Yeah, ideally you want to be grab. Don't even put them in the bag. <laughs> Yeah, you get home, get your have your canning stuff ready, and start making that jam. Because right. two things will happen. The lifespan of berries locally raised is going to be a lot shorter. So right. because you've picked them at their peak ripeness, they're going to lose quickly ripeness, um, and they can mold quickly. So if you don't 
jam, you know, jam on it right away. You want to get the jam made day, you know, the day you get home or the next day, but don't wait too long because you're going to start losing berries. Um, now the jam making process is you get all your berries and I'm going to go through this real quick just so you get an idea of the basic. You take yeah. a bunch of jars, you got to heat your lids, sanitize everything, take your berries, cut if you're doing strawberries, which we were, you cut all the tops off. Same with blueberries, you pull the little stems out. So you cut off the part you don't want to use, you chop everything up, you mash it up in a bowl. Uh, you take that mash, you put it in a pot, you boil it with sugar and pectin. Um, take that, once it's boiled down and boiled out, you pour it into your cans. Then you give your cans a hot water bath. That's what helps, you know, uh, create that vacuum, seals the can shut. You take them all off with their lids on them. They'll go, they pop closed. Tighten your your uh, lid down. Put your label on it if you want to label them. And you throw them in your... Actually, you don't have to throw them in the fridge. That's the whole point of canning. You can throw them on your shelf. So um, cool. it took us... That's the whole process from picking to putting them on the shelf. So labor-intensive, yeah. But fun if you're doing it once a year. You get the family. You go get... You know, you take the kids. You go pick your berries. You bring them home. You spend a couple hours jam... Uh, you know, making jam... And now you got your homemade jam. You you know you put it in pint-sized jars and you give them out to friends and you keep them. And we made in one day probably enough jam to last us all year. So awesome. so when the apocalypse happens, you want jam on that toast of yours that got toasted by the atom bomb. <laughs> Come on over to my bunker for some for some put-up right. jam. Um, so keep that in mind. So that's the whole process. Do you want to go through the numbers? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do the numbers. <laughs> that's my stager. <laughs> so here's the numbers. We picked 28 pounds. You got a calculator? Because I haven't done the math yet. We picked. So me and Mike added up all the supplies you would need for canning for okay. years to come and what it cost us to pick all the berries that we picked this year. We added it all up, figured out the time it spent. Here's what we got. Let's actually leave the time out of this one. You know, because this is the sort of thing that you are going to take your family to do on the weekend, and it's going to be fun. It's not like you have to take a day off of work in order to actually do this and stuff like that. So, You're talking six hours for a year's worth of jam. So, like, you know, that's a wash. All right. So we're looking at 60 bucks in berries. We're looking at another $50 in equipment in the first year. So we're up to $110 in the first year. But it's only 60 bucks a year after that. So how much does good jam cost? Ooh, strawberry preserves. Mash. Mike then compared the cost of buying organic jam. Now he was ready to make his decision. $5 a piece. Wow. So if we went to the store and bought these things, it would be $160. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. And you can probably very easily make the case that it's not as good and not as fresh as doing it yourself. Heck yeah, a good name is easy to recognize. Wait, is that Fancy Feast? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just mixed Smuckers and Fancy Feast. 
<laughs> With a name like Fancy Feast, it's oh, easy to yeah. recognize. <laughs> so that's pretty good. So yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down, man. We're uh, no, I, I would give this one a definite thumbs up, a strong one. Nice. Yeah, this is totally worth it. I gotta say, I was not expecting it, and I guess you know. And the key here is you factor in your time is just fun with your family. So what you know you right. can't. But uh, yeah, I didn't expect it to to play out the way it did money wise. But definite strong thumbs up. Yeah, you know, and that's a big thumbs up if you can do this in your spare time on the weekend, something like that. If you can do that, then it makes tons of sense. Yeah. If you're gonna start like taking a day off of work to do this, then it you know less sense. But yeah. Still not bad. It holds its own. Well, there you have it, folks. Counted Mike says go berry pick, and he's never done it. Jam out of it. Eat all the berries you want. You know what? Go early, so you're not the loser at the way end who's like, oh, I want to pick berries too. There's nothing left. (laughs) You know, man, you're ready to rock. Yeah. We're gonna have to go in Rhode Island. Remember we tried last year? Yeah. That's that. We were the losers at the end of the berry picking. That was exactly yeah. it. We went to a nice place a, out in. Uh, I know I don't where was do that? In Newport or uh, yeah, it was like in Newport. We went to that nice farm uh, out in Newport. Yeah, because we had to drive a little while. Yeah, it was like out in Newport. Nice you pick place. We showed up. Their Facebook page said picking blueberries. We showed up. Oh, sorry, no, we're, blueberry season's over. But we yeah. sell blueberry homemade ice cream. So yeah, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, uh, thanks for thumbs up in our blue our berries, and uh, we'll see if we can't get you out there to pick some blueberries this year in Rhode Island. Late season. Cool. Yeah, we'll do it again. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you later. Bye. We wanted to take a quick second to talk to you guys, the listeners of the Homesteady Show, because. We're talking to you through this microphone, but we want to hear from you. And there's a couple different ways that you can do that now. The website is up. This is homesteady.com. Think of this is Sparta. This is homesteady.com. Also, there's a Facebook page up, facebook.com slash homesteady. You can leave a comment, post a picture. You can email us at aust at thisishomesteady.com. And if you email us a picture of something you've been inspired to do because of the show, we'll post that in our gallery. And finally, if you really enjoy the show and you don't mind leaving a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, that helps the show out a lot. And we're going to pick certain comments to read aloud on the show. So if you've been inspired by one of these episodes, mention that in your comment, tell us what you did, and we might read your words on the air. We really want this to be a community project, not just talking through this microphone, uh, but working to build an awesome, more sustainable community together. So we hope you're enjoying the show, and we look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you think. This is homesteady.com and all our different social media and email networks. And we hope to hear from you. So three episodes in, three months, three homesteading projects, and everyone, we got a thumbs up from my city buddy, Accountant Mike. I love it. Let's keep them coming. This month's episode, berry picking, making jam. There's not a lot of time left in the season. 
Blueberries are in harvest right now. Raspberries are coming in too. Uh, But it's not going to last much longer, so don't wait. Plan a day this week. Get your kids, get your family. If you don't have any kids or close family, grab a few friends. Find a local pick-your-own. They could use the help. They could use the uh, support. Go over there, pick some berries, throw them in that bucket, bring them home, cut them up, make some jam. And then take that jam, share it with other people. They're going to taste that. They're going to say, oh, this is so good. Next time you go, let me know. I want to go with you. And that's what Homesteady's all about. Getting our own food, becoming more sustainable in our lives, and encouraging others to do it with us. So until next month, get that jam made. And remember, the road is rocky. Make Homesteady. Next month on Homesteady, we're trying something new. We're going to release some Homesteady shorts. Not going to be as long as our usual episodes, but they're going to dive in deep into specific topics. You want to know how to catch a bass every time you go fishing? How can you pasture pigs if you don't have electric fence and only a limited amount of space? What seven items can your homestead not survive without? We're going to have all these shorts and more in the upcoming weeks leading up to our next full-length episode. So until then, tell us what you think of the show so far. We want to hear from you. Check out the website. Check out the videos. And we'll see you next month with some Homesteady Shorts.